and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. Champions Edition. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who always gets four stars. His name is Taylor <laughs> Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I appreciate that in the context, except that I feel like usually it's a five-star system, uh, so I feel like shots fired at the same time. I'm talking about Uber and Lyft. You always get one star less than the full amount. <laughs> uh, hurtful. And also, I believe, last I checked, my, my rating was good. It was good. Something yeah. like that. Mine was know. like 4.8, 4.9 last time. No, but that's... Pretty good, right? Yeah, but not, per- but not perfect. I'm not showing sure off. I genuinely yeah. have no idea what mine is anymore. It's oh. been a while since I used them last night, so there you go. I used Let's Lyft look last afterwards. Night. Yes. Well, the US Women's National Let's Team. Let's talking about the various rideshare <laughs> apps we have. US Women's National Team uh-huh. now has four stars yeah, with they do. four World Cup wins. It means my T-shirt is now very much out of date. It the, is. It's the old US soccer logo, and it only has three stars. You on grab it. a sharpie. We'll add another one. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of what they would like you to. <laughs> I do love that they added the fourth star, and then on the back they still only had the three stars. Yeah, it makes me think that those weren't specially manufactured. Those were just the 2019 so, yeah. jerseys. Somebody went, yeah, somebody went to a craft down. store and grabbed those I little like door. like sticky gold stars that you can get if you do a, a good job when you're an eighth grader. There was a very good US, US soccer staff member. Yeah. Um, who did a Google search last night for uh, craft shops, yes. Leon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I got some gold stars and some very good glue. I mean, I would hope it was a Nike employee, but yes, it may also have <laughs> been US soccer. Who knows? But either way, it's deserved because fourth World Cup, second in a row, yep. not too shabby. Oh, there's so much to talk about. Um, top, top of the show, I want to talk about all the questions we had mm-hmm. at the start of the tournament. Yeah. Can Crystal Dunn hack it at left back against top opposition? The answer is yes. Uh, what if Julie Ertz has to go and play defense? Mm-hmm. What, who can fill in? Uh, the answer was what Lindsay Horan or Sam Mewis somewhere in, yeah. in one game. Um, like, did we bring enough fullbacks? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. Is Alyssa and I good enough to take over for Hope Solo? Mm-hmm. Can Jalelis handle this tactically? Answers are yes, mm-hmm. all the way down. Yeah. All the way down. I mean, two yeah, World Cups so. in a row. I think, and I think it's especially impressive that like I, w- I kind of like r- like wrote this down quickly before we started recording. But if I told you prior to kickoff that basically the front three would struggle in this game for the U.S., yeah, uh, which is fair. Abby Dahlkemper would probably have her worst game of the tournament. Uh, Kelly O'Hara would be subbed off at halftime with injury, and that Sam Uis. I mean, not saying she had a bad game, but like I, if I put it to you right now, tell me what Sam Uis did in this game. It was a somewhat anonymous game. I think she did a lot of like she technically had the assist for Lavelle's goal. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I think Rose Lavelle does a lot of the work there. My point simply <laughs> is that like if you heard all that, you might think like, ooh, this is like the front three, really not a good game. This yeah. would be bad. And instead, 2-0 win, zero goals yep. uh, conceded. Well, here's, well done. Here's the thing, right? It wasn't a massively impressive performance from the United no. States, but I think the Netherlands tactical setup had a lot to do with that. Yes. So in classic Total Soccer Show faction, before we get into uh, like breaking down the goals, sure. let's talk about the tactical setups in this game. The Dutch threw a curveball. They did. They didn't go with their classic four three three slash four two three one, and with the wingers. So let's talk about what the Dutch did instead. They went with a four two three one, which is key because they kept two generally kept two holding midfielders back. Yeah. More on that later. Um, but then the big one, which you spotted, and I was sort of like, that can't be. This must just be a reset. Is that uh, Miedema, Vivian Miedema, the number nine, the one who yeah. I was most nervous about, they dropped in and had her play almost as a number 10. Yes. In the, like, the center of that like, kind of attacking three yeah. with uh, Berenstein starting ahead of her as the sort of target striker. Yep. I would even argue in defense, it mm-hmm. wasn't a four-two-three-one. It collapsed into a four-four-one-one yeah. because there was just a line of four, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the wide players, which ended up being Daniela van der Donk, so she wasn't allowed to have that number 10 role because Miedema had it. Yep. She said she just had to play right mid slash right wing. Um, and Lika Martins on the left, they came back and just did a defensive job, which is not what we've seen them do throughout the tournament. So I would argue that um, Wiegmann, the coach, she kind of blinked first and changed up her whole game plan and offered something more defensive against the United States. But I'd also argue that 
It worked for it a did. good long stretch. It, it yeah. worked for a very long stretch, and we can talk about the penalty later on. But yeah. I think in the first half especially, you can see the United States do come out kind of guns blazing, as we've seen them do, yeah. and they run up against an orange wall. And then they yep. have a few opportunities here and there in the first half, but for the most part, I think the Dutch plan really worked. And I think mm-hmm. you could see the United States even start to make adjustments because I think initially we saw uh, Crystal Dunn and Kelly O'Hara, the two U.S. fullbacks, almost coming very central and being yeah. like secondary central midfielders at times. And I think the idea was, well, the Dutch are going to be in their 4-3-3. They're going to counterattack fast. So we're kind of okay with giving them the channels. The center backs will maybe spread a little bit wider. We can put that fire out and then we clog up the middle so they can't play through it. I, I also think part of the reason for that, though, is that it means if, if Dunn and O'Hara come central yeah. like they did, then they don't go originally overlapping yeah. uh, Heath and Rapino. So essentially we can't get caught out exactly. and have yeah. uh, the Dutch wingers get in behind us. Right? That I think sense. that was the point of that. So they never went too far forward we always had like two center backs two full backs and Julie Ertz ready to offer a good defensive shape so that like Lika Mertens couldn't uh, burn us on the counter right? yeah. but instead the Dutch were going with pace through the middle mm-hmm. by having Berenstain as the farthest forward center forward right yeah. so the Dutch had a whole different thing that I think threw us off for a good long while us being the United States? Yeah. Yeah, a- yeah. absolutely. I mean, I'm not Dutch. <laughs> absolutely, but I think... How, yeah, how often do you hear me say hoop? Not <laughs> that often. I, I think you said it a couple times today. <laughs> we were I, intermittently cheering. Ironically. Um, but yeah, I, and I think that then you saw those few Dutch counterattacking uh, opportunities that did happen came about from basically playing direct or catching yeah. the United States just a little bit overly committed, or yeah. the United States would be sloppy and it would kind of like concede possession, but it was never the sustained game plan of the Dutch mm-hmm. to kind of pull the U.S. one side and then counterattack and exploit the other yeah. side. It was more like trying to slip through balls yep. for Berenstein, mm-hmm. and I think the classic one is when Alyssa and I comes out, gets yep. there first, and just kicks it clear, yep. or a couple were just overhit. They never actually fully pulled it off in a perfect counterattack Hope fashion. Solo would have scored on that clearance, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so Nia did well on that, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good example of the Dutch are not doing maybe what they're best at, what they're most practiced at, but they thought it was their best chance against the United States. Mm-hmm. And I still think Riegman was right. Yeah. Because the, the other thing is how they defended, which I'd like to talk about as well, because I think that caused a lot of problems for the United States. Sure. Uh, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about like the kind of like moving everybody to one yeah, side. Like yeah. Essentially being the, the two banks of four mm-hmm. were tight and compact, and then they would, in a Diego Simeone style, like press laterally, right? Yeah. If we were going down the US left, then everyone would shuffle, all the Dutch players would shuffle over to that side, and they would kind of deny us the big switch, make us work it around the back four, like go from left back, centre back, centre back, right mm-hmm. back. By the time it gets to Kelly O'Hara... They've shuffled all the way over to that side as well. Right? I, would, I, would, I would even say that I think there was an awareness that if there's one player on the United States who is capable of getting the ball on the left side, turning and like playing a ball all the way to the right channel, it's Abby Dahlkemper. Yeah. But that still means you're dropping it back to your center back. And I think what you see— gives them time to yeah, adjust, right? What you'd see is the Netherlands crowd all their players on one side of the field, and if that ball went back, they— immediately is the way I would describe it. It wasn't like a full sprint, but you would see them then stretch out into those kind of two banks of four with yeah. uh, Miedema free, and then they had the kind of whole field covered. If that switch did happen, then they crowd to the side where the ball was switched, and they kind of block that off, and it basically forces the United States into a lot of direct play and like hopeful through balls that yeah. don't come off. And we did end up getting the ball wide, getting to the end line mm-hmm. um, several times yep. in the first half, but it seemed to me every single time the U.S. could not, like, connect on the cross. I want to say because there's too many Dutch defenders in there, essentially, right? I mean, yes, but I think also because the, like, product of, or a byproduct of going direct is that even if the ball does, like, there's the one in, like, the first maybe 10 minutes or so that does uh, end up uh, getting kind of contained by Tobin Heath. She gets it on the touchline. She crosses it in. There's no one there. Yeah. Because I think if you're going... I'm not sure she looked up either. I'm not sure she did either. that worries me a lot about a lot of the crosses I saw. I guess it worries me. We've won the World Cup now. I shouldn't be worried about anything. Yeah, (laughs) Calm it down. But but I guess my 
point is simply that if you're going to go direct, then it has to be almost what the Dutch were trying to do, which is going direct to one player who is central and can go at goal. Yeah. Because if Tobin Heath is able to collect that ball out on the right like right side and then drive to the end line and then cross, if you've played a 50-yard ball over the top that she's run onto, there's no guarantee that everybody else is sprinting for it at the same time. Yeah. I would almost argue that there's a, there's a guarantee they're not because they don't want to get caught out. Yeah. So then suddenly the direct balls don't really have that much effect because there's no one else to really then combine with. And isn't that isn't this a point Joe Lowry made uh, that you told me about? That essentially, the U.S. is very much yes. in a hurry and very direct, yes. and that's weirdly kind of a weakness, right? There's not patient buildup, mm-hmm. but yet weirdly to me, it's also what makes the U.S. so powerful yeah. is they're just like, we are coming at you and we're doing it right now. And it won't come off and it won't come off, but eventually it will come off. Eventually it will come off. Eventually Alex Morgan will win a penalty exactly. or something will happen. Or yeah. Rose Lavelle will drive and, and score a oh, goal. Yeah. But, but it still is the case, though, and I think this is where maybe people who are frustrated with Jill Ellis will retain that frustration even after she's won her second World Cup because with all the talent the United States have, I understand where that argument is of like you should be able to possess the ball and move and move and move and find opportunities and pull people out of position and open up spaces. And instead, it did feel like the United States were sort of like, okay, you want to go long? We'll go long. We'll get into a direct yeah. game. But I think that... Gilles is just all about winning. I think, yeah. I, the, thing, now mm-hmm. I, the way I think about it, she's not about playing some beautiful style of soccer that is going to make everybody happy. She just does what it takes to win each game even if that isn't that great to look at. I don't disagree agree with that but it's still like you said like the uh, Dutch blinked first I'm not sure that's true because I think the United States go into start getting into a very direct game which yeah. I think leads to a lot of physical challenges and physical confrontations yeah. which leads to fouls and cards and injuries and you which slow, leads to the dark side and you slow the, yes <laughs> yes in the sense that the dark side is injury time and stoppages of play that's the worst part of the game yeah. and, and worth noting uh, I believe in terms of actual playing time the United States dominated possession uh, with 28 minutes of actual playtime versus 25, which right there to me how says... How that work? That's like how long you have the ball? I think as in like actual possession as opposed to the ball being out of bounds or like getting ready to take a goal kick. I'm not sure any of those count. Oh, these FIFA.com stats. Yeah. yeah so FIFA.com is good sometimes. They, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, but I say <laughs> that to say that like I think the United States did sort of let it get into a physical slow game, yeah. which definitely benefits the Dutch because they're happy to be physical. Jill Ellis said that, that she felt like maybe some members of the U.S. press hadn't really kind of noted how physical and strong and determined this Dutch team were. Yeah, and yeah. I think you maybe should count, maybe she should count herself amongst that list because <laughs> putting your, your very technically gifted players into a slugfest at times yeah. didn't really serve them that well. Some of our players stood up to it though, right? Like Sam Mewis, I think, stood up to it. Crystal yeah, Sam Dunn Mewis stood crushing up to people. It. Crystal yeah. Dunn definitely stood up to it. <laughs> Julia Ertz always stands up to it. I also just want to clarify... Unless she slides into it, which w- she does pretty well. When I say the Dutch blink first, yeah. I mean they changed their whole setup, right? Okay. They had Bloodworth mm-hmm. at left back to try and contain... Do- Tobin Heath instead yeah. of playing centre-back. They had Berenstein as the centre-forward instead of wide. They didn't let Daniela van der Dunk play in her number 10 free roll. They made her play sort of right wing. I think they, they yeah. set up to deal with the United States rather than set themselves up to take it to us. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I think that's And again, true. probably still statistically their best chance, but it just didn't work out on the day for them. It didn't, but I think if you don't have that penalty, which we'll get to in a moment... It, it may have it may have gone to extra time. We really may have been struggling in the United States uh, unless they kind of had some. It would have made Jill Ellis make very different substitutions and I think yeah. at very different points than she wanted to and ended up having to make. Um, and and I think it really could have been a different story if if not for VAR basically. Yeah. So I think that's fair. Yeah. But, yeah, because she missed it first time. Yeah. Right? yeah. But but I I go back to the physicality of the first half especially just because you and I were. I mean it's the World Cup final. We were up for it. We were really excited for it. And yet there was a like. 20-minute period, 15-minute period in the first half at least, where we were sort of like, ah, this, this game's getting a little dull. Like, this game's getting a little yeah. difficult to understand what's happening. Watching on the tactics cam, it's long ball, physical challenge, foul, 
like reset taken, couple passes, yep. long ball, physical challenge, fell, yep. and it was just sort of this terribly slow game of tennis back and forth for a while. I would argue that the thing that changed it mm-hmm. was switching out from that fullbacks coming central, yep. don't overlap thing, mm-hmm. to sending O'Hara wide of Heath and sending yep. Dunn wide of Rapino and creating those. They tried to do it by sending Lavelle and Mewis out wide, mm-hmm. but then you missed them in the middle. I think that was the change that sort of sparked some life back into this game. Just essentially, yep. Gilelis realising that maybe there isn't such a threat from the Dutch wingers because they're playing a more more defensive 4-4-1-1. So we can send the fullbacks forward. Let's roll the dice a little bit. In-game tactical adjustment from Gilelis. I just want to make sure she gets the credit for it. because okay. Everyone seems very unwilling to credit Gilelis with tactical decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I would say with that in mind, not the willingness but the tactical adjustment it also essentially sh- like they the united states approached this game from the start the way they did to neutralize the main strength i think or what they thought was the main strength of the dutch which is those wingers as you've talked about yeah but then essentially when those wingers move more central instead she basically flipped that script entirely and it became actually now they're more vulnerable on the wings because yeah. those mid- midfielders are inside sometimes or like or they're too far wide on occasion yeah. but it leaves oh, gaps goal, and once goal, they yeah. start exploiting those chances that's when you see overloads and that's where the Dutch started to get stretched out and yep. started to get pulled apart a little bit. Alright before we get to maybe the second half and mm. talk about the goals yeah. uh, today's show is sponsored by the fine and wonderful good looking people at SeatGeek. That's right did you know that almost half of all Major League Soccer fans are female? That's not just a fact it's something we're celebrating. It's the summer of soccer, and as we support the women on the field in France, SeatGeek and Major League Soccer are teaming up to showcase the female fans at home who've made this sport all that it is. To learn more about this collaboration mm. between uh, SeatGeek and Major League Soccer, uh, and to see the female fans of MLS showing their true colours, check out WeFan, WeFan.SeatGeek.com. WeFan.SeatGeek.com. The link will be in the show notes. It certainly will. The United States will be doing a victory tour, I would venture to guess. I think I've heard it mentioned already. We yeah, saw that after 2015, I think we'll see it again, which means that you can use SeatGeek to uh, see the U.S. women when they come to town because they'll probably come to a town near you. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it's in their contract. Offer does not include Alaska or Hawaii. (laughs) I think it's in the contract that if in the CBA, that Mm -hmm. if they win the World Cup, they get a victory tour and all the players make some good money on that victory tour. There we are, yes. That's part of the deal, I think. If you'd like to go see that, Mm -hmm. get your tickets via SeatGeek. The games aren't scheduled yet, right? They are not. Those Hawaii and Alaska fixtures are definitely not scheduled yet. They are definitely not. But yeah, you could use that to support the team that way. The other thing that has been very commonly talked about as this tournament uh, winds down, wraps up, is you could then also use SeatGeek to get tickets to your local uh, NWSL team if you have a local one or to go see some NWSL games because a lot of the players that we've just seen throughout this tournament will be playing in the domestic league, worth noting. Um, So if you want to get $10 off Mm -hmm. your ticket, and by the way, the club won't lose out on that $10. This is SeatGeek for the $10 uh, discount, right? Exactly. Um, Use the discount code TSS. You download the app, enter the promo code TSS. That's TSS for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. I'll leave the tagline to you, Taylor. SeatGeek, a ticket for every fan. Thank you very much to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's show. Let's get to the second half. Let's get to the goals. But first, let's start with a change to the second half because, as we mentioned, Kelly O'Hara comes off at halftime, has a a head injury, a collision with with, uh, Lika Lika Martins Martins at at the end of the first half. Lika Martins stayed on, so that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Kelly O'Hara comes off, Ali Krieger comes on, and I think she, too, is part of that sort of fullback staying wide and maybe getting a little bit higher on occasion. Yeah. But as soon as the United States scored, we see Ali Krieger doing a bit more defensive job. How excited do you think the Cooligans were when Ali Krieger came on? I don't know if they were more excited between that or Rose Lavelle scoring because they do have that photo of Rose Lavelle. I think they did an interview with her in their studio right before the uh, oh, tournament. Oh, I see. So, yes, All right. I saw them claiming credit. The, so, cool, the Cooligans' influence, I think They should have been on the podium. Should have been on the podium lifting.
fifth in the World Cup. Almost certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably should have gotten the golden ball. I think so. <laughs> Lucy Bronze wasn't there to collect the silver ball, so maybe they should have gotten that. Yeah, silver ball. Yeah, cool. they, they can share it. <laughs> should we talk about this penalty? Sure. Um, oh, actually, no. Should we talk about O'Hara coming off? Sure. Um, what do we know about why she came off? Like, did, Is there like a conclusive thing that she had a concussion we had to take her off? Uh, I, I believe uh, from what Caitlin Murray, I was t- uh, tweeting or uh, messaging DMing. with. Yes, excuse me. Thank you. With Caitlin Murray before we started recording because I was kind of wondering if maybe Kelly O'Hara at halftime felt like something wasn't right. We've heard that about concussions in the past, that even if you're cleared somehow, uh, you may still feel fuzzy. You may still feel out of it. Things just aren't quite connecting. Yeah. And so maybe there's a chance that she – like kind of notified somebody this isn't right because – and that might just be complete speculation, but she comes back on the field of play. She plays the final couple minutes of the half. Yeah. She tries to not even leave the field of play because mm-hmm. I think her argument being uh, maybe you don't necessarily have to leave if there's a suspected head injury yeah. because maybe there wasn't and you're just down, but the referee wanted to stop play to be safe. So it's kind of penalizing you, I guess. But here, she looks kind of fine, definite right? head injury. Here's so. the thing. She looks fine when she plays the end of the first mm-hmm. half. When you see her sort of celebrating the goals in the second yeah. half and in the end – she looks fine. Yeah. I think maybe this was like a marginal decision of just like, we're not taking any risks, both to your health, Kelly mm-hmm. O'Hara, um, and to the team winning this game, right? Uh, yes, except that like we've seen plenty of times in like, even in the past year, like uh, Jan Vertonghen for Tottenham, when he he comes off, goes back on and plays, and there are moments when we're like, oh, he looks fine. Like he looks like he's all there. And yeah. then we see him like literally collapse on his way out when he finally does get substituted. So like looking okay isn't, like, while I take yeah. your point and I understand what you mean, I'm still sort of like, yeah, but that's what doctors are for. <laughs> it's yeah, to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you look fine, but, like, you're not, like, f- like following the pen the right way or, like, uh-huh. your eyes aren't focusing. Something is wrong. And just that she comes back on and then there's a change at halftime definitely is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. And it does sound like they're still evaluating her for concussion symptoms even after the game. And maybe even if she's fine, yep. I still say correct decision because better yeah. safe than sorry. Yes. Yeah? Yes, 100%. All right. Both for her – Safety, obviously, first and foremost, but then also if you have a player who has concussion symptoms continuing to run around, again, not very healthy, but also mm-hmm. probably not going to lead to like the most cohesive of defensive lines, as an yes, example. exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. And you know who does allow you to have that? Who's that? Allie Krieger. Allie Krieger, yeah. yeah. She didn't have a perfect game. No. There were a few miss-hit passes. She had, and she had some nervous passes. But it's she almost was... like she subbed on at halftime of a World Cup final. Yeah, right, yeah. But she was fine enough. Didn't she have yeah. one moment where her and Ertz between her managed to tackle, um, I think it was Miedemar or Martins? It was... Um, uh, in the box. Yeah. Was, yeah, I mean, that was a dangerous moment. It was after Abby Dahlkemper got beat a little bit. Yeah, she yeah. did get beat a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Krieger and Ertz came up big in they that did. moment uh, between them. They did. Now should we talk about the goal? Let's We've do. We've been hinting at it for um, a good long while. Um, it's the Al- uh, Ali Morgan. Mm. Alex Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting very familiar like JP Telecamera. <laughs> um, Alex Morgan. Well, you were just said Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Winning the penalty mm-hmm. kick. Uh, the foul is from Van der Gracht, I believe, with the high foot yeah. into Alex Morgan's, what, right the back of her upper arm, yeah. essentially. And yeah. then like maybe like upper ribs, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we can talk about a couple different sequences here. But to start with what happened, I think basically the referee's vantage point, I think she thinks Van der Graak, like, comes through. Yes, the boot's a little bit high, but not that high. This is her d- defense, I'm guessing. And I think she the thinks referees? the yeah. referee thinks that uh, Van der Graak gets to the ball first and puts it out, uh, out of bounds. That has to be the case because she awards a corner. She awards a corner. Yeah. And if you watch the replay never touches the ball the ball yeah. comes off Alex Morgan who then gets kicked yeah. but I think that's what the referee thought is like oh she gets her foot through she puts the ball out of play and then she kind of collides yeah. with Alex Morgan but she's made a defensive play and won the ball yeah. and I think VAR then uh, in her ear says maybe you want to look at that one one more time so this is I'm not if I'm just saying this because the team I was supporting
Martin won the cup, but mm-hmm. this is a perfect use of VAR. It is. The referee missed a foul, mm-hmm. got it wrong by awarding the corner. VAR looked at it and said, hey, ref. I mean, you saw the moment when she yeah. put her finger to her ear and listened. Hey, ref, we think you got this wrong. You should come and take a look at this on the monitor. She immediately runs mm-hmm. over, takes a look. Doesn't take that many looks, right? Maybe five or six uh, times at this incident. He's like, oh, yeah, there's Van de Graaff's high foot. Mm-hmm. There it is going into Alex Morgan's right arm. Yep. Um, nowhere near the ball. It's a foul, right? Yeah. It maybe feels a little soft because it's doesn't. It's not like a trip or some like obvious. I think it feels. Like, I think it feels slightly weird. weird because Alex Morgan is not necessarily going to get a shot on goal. If anything, she's going away from goal towards the end line, yeah. and then gets knocked over. So I think it, it's not as though she's like one on one with the goalkeeper, and then somebody comes in and kicks her. Yeah, and then it's like oh yeah, it's an obvious penalty. So I think it feels a little bit strange, and I think because the United States has depending on your perspective, been fortunate or correctly given yeah. uh, penalties and sort of moments in this tournament. And then like Kelly O'Hara and that handball that wasn't looked at, I think maybe that's where it all kind of comes into of like, ah, they got a VAR call. Are they going to win on a penalty? Is that how this yeah, game is yeah. going to be? That's correct, but feels wrong. It's, I think it's a classic example of the type of thing that would never have been called a penalty in the past, but will always get called a penalty because VAR sees it. Yeah, I think you know that's, I mean? that's probably fair. I, I that's think, the new world we're living in, right? And it depends whether you like that or not. But I still think if the referee sees it from a slightly different angle and sees a player go in, studs up, and kick somebody, mm-hmm. it's going to maybe be a penalty. Yeah. Maybe then it comes down to like the old school idea of like, is it a, if it's a penalty at midfield, is it a penalty uh, inside the 18? And mm-hmm. like maybe that's one that's given as a high boot outside of the box, but in the box. Maybe you just let play on and see what happens. And maybe before we talk about Rapino taking yep. this penalty, mm-hmm. it's a good penalty for a couple of reasons. Yep. I think we should talk about the build up to this. Okay. It's um, it's eventually um, a Tobin Heath cross that deflects off of a Dutch midfielder. I want to say it's Spitzer. You are great. It maybe just bounces off the top of her head because it takes her by surprise. But Tobin Heath is given space to cross by, I believe, a smart run from Rose Lavelle. You are correct. Remember this? It is definitely yeah. Rose Lavelle. Do I remember this? Of course <laughs> I do. I'm the one who got excited about it because it's it's almost the exact same run we saw uh, against England where, where yes. she ends up dummying the ball Tobin Heath runs on and plays yeah. that ball across. She makes that same run and I think uh, Bloodworth, who's playing left back, uh, probably to do with Tobin Heath, I think was the idea yeah. there. Um, I think Bloodworth is also aware of that run from from Rose Lavelle and yep. is aware of it and made nervous by it because she is, is on Tobin Heath but drops to get to Rose Rose Lavelle because yeah. I actually thinks, oh no, Rose Lavelle is open in the middle. And if you watch this again, I would encourage people to go mm-hmm. watch this again. It's because Rose Lavelle gives Spitzer the slip. Right? Yeah. So Spitzer has her. Um, Bloodworth's supposed to have Heath. Uh, but Lavelle does this weird thing where she like runs around the back of Spitzer. So Spitzer's like, whoa, where's she gone? It was a magic trick. She disappeared. And then Bloodworth has to pick her up, which means she can't go to Tobin Heath when Ali Krieger plays the ball out wide. I actually, I might disagree with you a little bit. Okay. I, I think it's that, I think Spitzer is more focused on what's happening in front of me and I'm going to pass her along to whomever else is back there. Yeah. But I think she doesn't necessarily notice that everybody else is marked up or doing their defensive job. Okay. So now I think Bloodworth has to make the choice of, do I stay with Tobin Heath or do I mark Rose Lavelle, who's now open? Because it's not as though Rose Lavelle is like, like making a darting run anywhere. Like She's made that run into space, but then she's kind of in that space at that point. And I think Bloodworth gambles and thinks, I'll go to Lavelle, uh, and now... Spitzer maybe should have gone out to Heath at that I moment. I think that's what she thinks she will happen. does, but slowly, and that's why the cross hits her on the top of the head. Exactly. <laughs> this is what we talk about, where because the United States now stay wide... The, the Netherlands have to kind of pull wide to try to deal with that, but yep. now players are out of position. So it's Martins who steps to Ali Krieger, who I think is on the ball. Krieger then plays it to Tobin Heath, and Martins kind of turns around and realizes, like, oh no, no one is on Tobin Heath, and yeah. she tries to get back into position. And it's basically now you have that gap in that space for the ball to be delivered. So that's good work from the United mm-hmm. States. Um, okay, and then we've talked about Morgan winning the penalty yep. kick. Rapino steps up to take it. Mm-hmm. I thought for all the world she might miss this because. 
Here's my hot take, which I think you share, Taylor. Rupino did not have a good game. I don't. I can't believe she was the MVP of this game. No, I thought she yeah. had. Rose Lavelle was the MVP. Of this I game. would go so far as to say I think she had a bad game. Aside, yeah. This penalty aside, at least at least four that I can remember, but I think even more than that. Times she tried to do a step over and beat somebody, and the ball was just very easily poked away. Mm-hmm. She was uh, errant in her passing on a couple of occasions. She was slow in her defense. She looked like a player. Kim McCauley made this point. It's almost as though she's carrying a hamstring and is yep. starting in a game when maybe she should. Be. Yep, and, and I would argue she's coming towards the end of her career, right? She's yeah. th- she's thirty five, she's thirty four, mm-hmm. thirty five. Um, you're already sort of one of the older players. You're definitely not one of the fastest players. Never really have been, right? It's mm-hmm. not what Rapino has been about. But then you add a slight hamstring injury onto the top of that, and suddenly you're kind of struggling to keep up with the pace of the game. Yeah, and that's and I think you had the the line at one point in there that it's like basically Megan Rapino has to be a hundred percent to be able to do what's being asked of her, and yeah. even if she's ninety five percent, that's five percent she yeah. can't do as well. She kind of can't afford to lose it. Whereas like a young a fitter, faster player can maybe afford to lose five yeah. percent and still still be in it. Like Lika Martins, for example, she's playing with that hurt toe. Mm-hmm. Not her best game, but you didn't. Know, she wasn't like noticeably slower than usual. I don't think so. Yeah. But I think I think Megan Rapino was, which feels weird to say because she ends up being what golden ball, golden boot, yeah. game MVP, she has, like, like, scores uh, the penalty, literally armfuls of trophies, yeah. arms full of trophies. Yeah. At the end. And so yeah. I mean, and it's a great penalty. Don't get me wrong there, but yeah, I I thought overall she did not have a particularly strong game. Yeah. As I said, I don't think anyone of the front three did. Alex Morgan got knocked around a lot. But I think we still saw her trying to do too much on occasion and then trying to force shots on other occasions that I think it wasn't necessarily on. And then especially at the end, I think she and Tobin Heath and maybe Carly Lloyd, to some extent, all really wanted to make sure that they got on the score sheet, too. Yeah, but when you need Rapino Mm -hmm. in a big moment, she can step up and make the exact right decision on a penalty kick. So even though I was nervous, what I was nervous about was her going bottom left like she has done multiple times. Mm -hmm. Because we talked before about like... Pick your spot, like hit yep. it like low in the corner, hit it pretty hard, pretty fast. It's going to be really hard to save. But um, we haven't really talked about it, but Van Vindendal uh-huh. has had a brilliant game up to this point for yep. Netherlands. She saved that Morgan shot where she stretched out. She saved that Mewis header at close range. She uh, saved that Julie Ertz mm-hmm. shot, like the rebound off the corner kick. She had a lot of like high-profile, really impressive saves. I kind of thought that like, Rapinoe's going to go for this exact spot that she always goes for, and Van is going to be equal to it and she's going to get down low and get to it yeah I mean Van Vindal definitely thought she was going to that direction as well she did right you can see that she's already kind of cheating that way in a fairly obvious way mm-hmm. as Megan Rapinoe's taking this one and I think this one I genuinely don't know if she had already made the decision to go opposite way or if she's evaluating what Van Vindal is doing and ends up just kind of side footing it because she doesn't put it bottom corner she doesn't put it even no. to the corner she basically puts it maybe center right yeah like a, maybe a foot or two to the right of like dead center of the goal yeah yeah and so, yeah, it's either a last-minute decision when mm-hmm. she sees Van Vindenau go, or it's a fake-out, like, shape like I'm going to that bottom yep. left corner. Because she does have that body shape, right? It mm-hmm. opens up to go the other side right at the end. So it's either a fake-out or a last-minute decision. Either way, that's why Rapino is super important. It is. Right? And and it's ice in the veins, too. Not just yes. to, like, take... Pink in her hair, ice in her veins. There we go. But not just to... Like take and like calmly convert the penalty, but also worth noting that after the VAR decision, um, like the players are waiting around, then the referee has to deal with the Dutch protests. They're also like around Megan Rapinoe and sitting right next to her. I think Miedema stands right in front of the ball and does like the shin guard adjustment and is trying to psych Rapinoe out. When the referee goes to talk to Van Vindendal about like, you know, keep your feet on the line, two Dutch players come over and kind of stand on either side of Megan Rapinoe. So to just, she doesn't walk away, she doesn't leave the box, she doesn't try to get any distance, she doesn't ask anybody to come in and move them away she just kind of sits there waits for them to leave waits for the whistle to be blown and then passes the ball into the net ice in her veins as matt Doyle said put her on the hundred dollar bill i'm cool with that (laughs) that's fine with me
That's on me. Or maybe Rose Lavelle. Or maybe Rose Lavelle. Would uh-huh. you like to do today's second ad before we get to the Rose Lavelle goal? I suppose I would. Okay, well, we saw this nice and clearly. Mm. Um, not least because at least <laughs> one of us is a Simple Contacts customer. It's not me, so I'm guessing it's you. It is me. Uh, yeah, Simple Contacts <laughs> is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. So there are loads of things demanding your time. Mm-hmm. One of them is going to the opticians and having to do the whole eye test to get your prescription renewed. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It costs money. Simple Contacts is one of the solutions to that. You can renew your prescription online by doing the, the vision test on mm-hmm. your phone or on your laptop. It takes, what, less than less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's designed by ophthalmologists and licensed uh, doctor. A licensed doctor reviews every test. So you can skip the office visit, but not the care. And if you have an unexpired uh, prescription or you just need more contacts, you can upload a photo of the prescription or your doctor's information and order your lenses. Uh, they do all the hard work for you and take care of verifying and confirming your prescription. So you, as always, don't have to go to see any sort of eye doctor and life can uh, be easy. You can instead <laughs> just stay in your small office and watch soccer all day. It makes so life that much better. The vision test is only $20. Mm-hmm. And if you go for an appointment, it could cost you like $200. So you're saving money. You're obviously saving time. But also, if you just have a valid prescription or you've renewed your prescription through Simple Contacts, you can get money off when you order your contacts through Simple Contacts. That's my favorite part is when mm-hmm. I order them and they arrive nice and quick. I imagine. I stick them in my eyes and then I can play soccer. They have all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with so you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. Uh, as you said, Daryl Grove, the vision test is only $20, so yep. that's nice. It's all about making it uh, cost-effective and affordable. It is worth noting, however, that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. To get $20 off your contacts, go to simplecontacts.com slash TSS20 or enter code TSS20. TSS20 at checkout. What that means is if your contacts normally cost $60 for a box, it will be $40. $20 off your contacts. Simplecontacts.com slash TSS20 or enter code TSS20 at checkout. If you've ever tried playing soccer without your contacts in, you'll know that getting contacts is really important. 60 minus 40 equals 20. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. There we go. Uh, yeah. The, I believe you're correct. The math checks out. <laughs> I don't know what the math is on Rose Lavelle's goal. Uh, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good it, math. It, good math. She get good grade. <laughs> thank you very much to Simple Contacts one more time. Yes, Rose Lavelle, thank you very much for uh, making me way less nervous. Uh, throughout this game, first yeah, of all, a okay. very good performance from Rose Lavelle all over the pitch before we even get to the goal. She was There's that one sequence that you and I were really impressed by where she basically sprints back, I think a good 60 or 70 yards to break up a Dutch attack. Yeah, but I mean, then, she fouls, right? But it's a good foul. Yes. I think yeah. she, no, no, I don't think it, it is a foul. I think, she po- a foul. I think she pokes the ball away and the okay. foul is given. Maybe it should have been. But then from that, or at least like a minute later, she then really calmly controls the ball under pressure, then plays a really smart like uh, ball through the lines to find, I think, Alex Morgan. Yes. But it's it was just like right there. It's like you see everything. She works back. She does an incredibly good defensive job all, like with maybe a hamstring concern herself, mm-hmm. but is still able to do that. that. And then just how calm and like smart she is on the ball, it, it is a fundamental aspect of what this team is able to do. Yeah, and we talked about the movement. She's involved in that winning the penalty yep. on the first goal, mm-hmm. right? It's so important. Did you hear Rapino afterwards in that quick interview? She, they asked her about Lavelle, um, and she said, yeah, she's been so important for us all tournament because she's the one that opens everything up. Mm-hmm. And so she was basically saying it was really great that she gets this goal in the final because now she gets maybe more of the recognition. Um, and then I'm yeah. extrapolating from there saying it's more of the recognition made from people who aren't paying attention mm-hmm. to the smaller things yeah. that Rose Lavelle does. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about what Rose Lavelle does here. Uh, for her goal, I 
I want to start with Crystal Dunn. Yes. Because yes, yes. we've talked about it a little bit, but I thought Crystal Dunn, maybe second to Rose Lavelle, had the best game. Uh, so second best game of yeah. anybody on the field today. Yep. Lots of really good tackles. Mm-hmm. Lots of overlapping runs when needed. Perfect decisions of when to overlap, when to not overlap. Yeah. Like, like, flawless, basically. Yep. I don't remember any bad passes. Lots of nice. Um, I saw her two or three times that thing. You know, you receive the ball, but mm-hmm. step over it and change direction. Yeah. She kept doing that and it kept fooling uh, Dutch players. It did. But then she also kind of made up for it when her own teammates didn't fool Dutch players. Because <laughs> there's one sequence in particular when she goes for the overlap. Megan Rapino tries to do a step over and a move. And again, the ball gets poked away. Rapino loses possession. Crystal Dunn like halts her, her full sprint run yes. as quickly as possible. Maybe even faster than I thought possible. Yeah, it's a really quick like, turn on a dime, change of direction, yeah. isn't it? And gets back in and wins the ball. And if she does not do that, the Dutch have a 2v1 down the USA's left side. And I think only Becky Sauerbrunn is there. She's been pulled over to help. Yep. But that's an easy one to bypass with, with two players, a quick one, too. And suddenly the Dutch could have been in. But it's like that... Uh, athleticism combined with the like strength to hold off, combined with the technical ability to mm-hmm. hold the ball up and win it back, and then just decision making. Yeah. I think is is a key part of it. Yeah. So the final results mm-hmm. of the can Crystal Dunn play left back at the yep. World Cup experiment are in, and the, the result says yes, it's all good. Yes, uh, <laughs> and, and then to go to this goal here, yeah, um, it's basically I think Sam Ewis is putting pressure on. She's come wide, uh, like the Dutch trying to counterattack. Maybe Martins makes a mistake here? Or is it is it uh, Martins or is it Vendedonk who has the ball? I think it might be Vendedonk in this remember. moment. Yeah, I think yeah, it is, it is it Vendedonk, is. yeah. yeah and um, Vendedonk has grown into the outside of that and mm-hmm. maybe instead of trying to dribble at Crystal Dunn, should have just played the ball wide. But instead, yeah. she takes a heavy touch and this is where, again, I think you see Crystal Dunn's like, rounding into a very good left back. I don't know if we'll continue to see her there at club level, certainly, but for yeah. the US, I'm fine with it because she's trying to defend too here. It's, again, it's a 2v1 counterattack. Yeah. And she spots it's a slightly heavy touch from Vandedonk, and that's all it takes. The camera cuts to like an on the like like a sideline shot where yeah. you can see everything. The Steadicam guy, and you see lines. Crystal Dunn just collapse on that ball very quickly. So it's like a it's like a step and block. Like yeah, she steps into a block. It actually reminds me. This is a weird uh, parallel, but have you heard of the famous? It's, it's more famous in England, but the Bobby Moore tackle. Um, it's like in the nineteen seventy World Cup. It's on. I want to say. Jazinho, when that famous England Brazil game, you just had to get an England reference well, in here. No, because it's so it's almost identical the type of tackle because it's so decisive the way he like steps into him and like forms a block and comes away with the ball. This Crystal Dunn thing is almost an identical version of that. It's like such a clean but powerful tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much so that it spills to Sam Mewis. Yes, it's, it's that good of a tackle. Sam Mewis then uh, plays it central to Rose Lavelle, and that this is the key thing you mentioned that uh, Vendedonk had Gronin wide. It's because Gronin had tracked Sam Mewis out of the middle, yeah. then stayed wide because she thought the counterattack was on. So that when the ball is played centrally to Rose Lavelle. There's only, what, one Dutch midfielder in there anymore? Spitzer's there, but the pass bypasses yeah. her. So it's, as soon as Lavelle receives the ball, she just has basically the Dutch back four to run mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And, and what we... And not, not the first time Lavelle found a load of space in central midfield. That's right? what I was she about to say. She to keep finding it. Well, and also, I think like two minutes before, we basically see this sequence almost happen uh, before yeah. it even happens. So and, it's, and it's just that Rose Lavelle takes a bad touch. She doesn't quite get the ball out from underneath her foot, so then she has to slow it down and find a pass. Here, she drives forward with that ball, and I think... I think as soon as she realizes that who, uh, who's the defender that's on her who conceded the penalty again, uh, uh, Van der Graaf, Graaf, yeah, uh, yeah, that she's like kind of backpedaling, not really trying to close the gap, trying to kind of guess and and kind of play head games. I think Rose Lavelle is just like, oh, I'm shooting here for sure, yeah. and it's a really clever little like fake step over she does in front of the ball yeah. that I think makes uh, Van der Graaf bite, and then it's just two more touches and the ball's on the net. So it's what like she fakes left by fa- she fakes as if she's going to cut left essentially, yeah. mm-hmm. but. 
it's not a step over because it doesn't go over the ball. So it's like, what, a step under? Yeah, it's behind the ball. But, yeah. but I think what it does is if Roosevelt's faking like she's going to cut it to her left, then the defender maybe slightly bites on that. Then when Rose Lavelle doesn't, the defender now overcorrects because, oh, she's going to go to her right. Yeah. And then Rose Lavelle does go to her she left. She turns her around, right? Doesn't yeah. Van der Graaft end up like mm-hmm. spinning in a circle? And while she's doing that, she's obviously like slightly out of position. Mm-hmm. That's when Lavelle has opened up enough space for her to shoot. And then the shot itself is chef's kiss. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, it's inch, inch perfect, especially given what we've already talked about with Van Vendenal being so good yeah. that here it had yeah, to, to get be beyond perfect. To impressive, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it is, I'll give credit where credit's due. Tobin Heath, uh, immediately spreads wide once Rose Lavelle gets the ball. I think she's looking for the through ball, but that she spreads wide, pulls some of the defenders with her. Alex okay. Morgan does the same to the left. And so I probably think she, Bloodworth, the left back, gets pulled out yeah, to the left. I think yeah. they both definitely wanted a through ball rather than Rose Lavelle shooting, but yeah, when the yeah. ball goes in, I'm pretty sure they're okay with the shot I'm being taken. I'm pretty sure they are because they get the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful moment mm-hmm. from Rose Lavelle. Are there any other performances we want to highlight or uh, mention in this game? We've talked about Crystal Dunn. I would, I would mention, uh, I just wanted to go back to, I did not think this was Abby Dahlkemper's best game. I thought she had uh, a couple moments where she was a little bit questionable yeah. in possession. Meadmar got her off balance. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, no, but I mean, even oh, she, had, she had a few giveaways that, especially mm-hmm. in the first half, she has one that kind of like leads to a moment of indecision for the United States. It's, I think it's the, the, the Netherlands' like second chance they have. Um, but then also at times we saw her beaten for pace. Uh, she ends up getting a yellow card at the end of the first half. It's kind of harsh on her because I think there's lots of other things get, that go wrong that she then has to kind of put out a fire. She gets beat by Miedema for that one sequence. So I didn't think it was her like as solid of a, of a defensive game as we've seen from her. But I sort of think that she has been maybe the most reliable defender for the United States this entire competition. So if she has one bad game, I'm not necessarily yeah. going to hold it against her. I would have said Becky Sauber has been the most reliable defender, but then there's there's that moment mm-hmm. um, against, is it against Spain? I can't remember. Yeah, uh, with the giveaway? Yeah. Yeah, I think she, but also didn't she not start a game, I believe as well. So that's what she I mean. She didn't start like, the tiling game. Yeah, yeah, so I think, I think Dahlkemper has been, in, that, in my mind then, like the most consistent yeah, yeah. defender that we've had in that there. Makes, that makes sense. But I thought Sauber was very good in this game. There's a lot of, if you go back and watch, there's mm-hmm. a lot of her heading the ball away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a oh, of, yes. A lot of heading crosses away and from Becky with, with her head fully wrapped up because yes. you know, she was bleeding pretty profusely from uh-huh. it. And I, I did see somebody – oh, it was Brooks. Brooks Pack made the point that like – uh, when the United States start to get better chances and end up scoring two goals is after Becky Sauerbrunn is bleeding and looking very angrily at the Dutch. <laughs> no coincidence. No, <laughs> no coincidence. No. I think Julie Ertz was excellent. I think she stopped yes. a lot of things in their tracks mm-hmm. and also had some nice just uh, balls that she clipped out like wide, right, to mm-hmm. the touchline that were really um, – Perfectly weighted passes. Yeah. yeah, and she did a like a like chaotic va- like hoovering job of like she like for the Miedema, uh, uh chance that we talked about where uh, Dahl Kemper gets beat. Julie Ertz goes in and makes a really really strong defensive play. Yeah. Which Miedema, I think with help from Krieger, right? We well, talked about this earlier. But it's like Miedema, like like the first one is Ertz making a play and it forces Miedema to adjust. I think she cuts back mm. and then when Krieger's there, she cuts back again and then Ertz comes through and like passes the ball away and wins it. But it's like. Like the initial defensive job of slowing it up, then winning the ball after that. It's like yeah. a one-two punch, and I think she's very good at doing that. All right. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the subs as well. Sure. Um, Kristen Press came on for Megan Rapino, which mm-hmm. is definitely the right decision, right? Because Rapino, yeah. I think, was tiring. And I think that, that thing we talked about where maybe she wasn't going past I think she people. she had been tired, but Yeah, yes. and she made some bad passing decisions. It was getting worse and worse, yeah. right? So it was the right time to replace her with the much faster mm-hmm. and much more... Um, defensively capable mm. Christian Press and maybe just that, like she's just fast enough to get back yeah, right? I'd agree. Um, but at the same time the US goes back to 
the 5 4 1, which has become the Gilelis decision of choice at 2 0 up. Yes. Right? To go to the 5 4 1 and see this thing out. We did it again, mm-hmm. and I, you, you can't argue that it didn't work. You, can, you cannot. Yeah, I you think... can't make an argument that it didn't work. Okay, I'm yeah. with you now. Yeah. Okay, I think that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I mean, again, good adjustments there. I was surprised we didn't see Lindsey Horan, but then again, yeah. we've talked about, like, while I said I didn't see, a, like, a lot from Sam Ewis, I think, again, she probably did a lot where if you went back and watched it, you would see her oh, yeah. running off the ball, making plays, making runs, holding up the ball, doing yeah. all that type of maybe, like, less than, like, glor- less glorified work. You mentioned a drag in Gronen wide, which yeah. is part of the reason Lavelle's wide open for exactly. that second goal. And then Lavelle yeah. had a great game. Ertz had a great game. So mm-hmm. with those three all having probably, like, three of the best performances, Crystal yeah, yeah. Dunn would be in there, too, for me. Becky Sauerbrunn in there, too. So there's your five. But, like, then I think it makes sense why maybe we didn't see Lindsay Horan or I, why we didn't see her at all, I should say. I actually think it's the O'Hara substitution is the reason we didn't That's see Horan. I think yep. we were always going to see press for Rapino late in the game. Yep. I think if we're 2-0 up, we're always going to see Carly Lloyd on the field because mm-hmm. it's probably a thing of, like, she's this yep. veteran player who deserves to be on the field when we win the World Cup, finally. Yep. Um, I think the other sub would have been one of the central midfielders because it just makes sense. I think if past was pressing, it would have been Rose Lavelle for Lindsay yeah. Rand, and then it's uh, to Haran, see the game out, right? Haran and Mewis are your two central Absolutely, midfielders. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. But because O'Hara had come out for Krieger, yep. there just wasn't that sub to burn. Yeah, there just so, But I'm sure Lindsay Horan is still perfectly happy. She's played a huge role in winning the World Cup. Don't right? you speak for Lindsay Horan. <laughs> she will speak for herself. I would not presume to do so. <laughs> um, the, the other thing I'd mention is just the the lack of efficiency on the U.S. counterattacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in that 5-4-1, we did have two or three beautiful breakaways of just one or two players. We yeah. didn't overcommit, which is smart, Mm-mm. right? We didn't overcommit players forward. Uh, but there was definitely Tobin Heath sort of over-dribbled a couple and could have had herself a goal in the World Cup final if she just pulled the trigger. I, th- I think she's got in her head because you contrast yeah. what we're talking about with Rose Lavelle where she does a move, sets up the defender, yeah. and makes like the decisive action to then, okay, I'm going to yeah. go, take a touch, get a shot off. And Tobin so Heath, she doesn't have to go all the way around the place. She just makes enough space to shoot, right? Yeah. Which is all you need. Yeah, but like, but like even, I, I guess what I mean though is more so that like once you've got the defender in a position you want them to be, you take that touch to get away, to create separation, yeah. and then you have an even clearer shooting chance. Whereas I felt like Tobin Heath would beat a defender and then kind of wait for her to collect herself to beat her again. Yeah, yeah. Or like, she just, has to get close and do a move in yeah. close and then go around them. Yeah. Right? yeah, but I think because of that, it, it maybe goes to a little bit more of like a chaotic moment. And so I felt like even when she would beat a defender, she would then have to get herself under control or get the ball out from underneath her. And then by the time she did, there's another defender in there or she's kind of killed her angle. Yeah, And I, yeah, I was... I was would have very much liked for Tobin Heath to just yeah, get a shot off same. a little bit faster. She didn't have the tournament that I wanted to I'm not to even have. sure she scored a goal this tournament. That one went down as an own goal, didn't okay. it? So maybe not. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, so I, yeah, I really thought this would be the Tobin Heath mm-hmm. tournament where she'll be burning people and there would just be endless Tobin Heath highlights yep. and goals. It didn't work out that way, but she had the cross for the Morgan penalty yep. and she did the defensive role against, what, France? France. Mm-hmm. So in the end, she's contributed to the team, which yeah. is really what this U.S. Women's National Team is all about, yeah, right? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Certainly. All right. So not uh, going to argue with that. My one, my one other point, strangely, I'm going to go back to the Dutch for a moment. Uh, the other reason I think the United States struggled is because we've seen them have, I mean, going back to the last World Cup final, design set plays were a big feature of how they attack. They get yeah. two goals against Japan that way. Yeah, yeah. Here they had design set pieces, and I think it was a lot of – 
go near post, like like have other runs that screen so Julie Ertz is open, she can flick it on. And then once we've done that a few times, the United States would then go like a long ball to the back post. Yeah. And I think the Dutch were alive to it every single time yeah. when they Martin went long. Spotted, right? Martin it's spotted uh, Megan Rapino wide open and immediately sprints there like before the kick is taken yeah. to cover that. But even at the near post, we never saw Julie Ertz really able to put one on frame or turn it into the six-yard box. The one time she does win it, job, right? yeah, she turns it into the six-yard box, but instead hits Alex Morgan, mm-hmm. and Alex Morgan, I think, then it deflects off of her, and they're able to clear. Yeah. So I no, no, like, that ends with Julia's getting a shot on the second, right. second go around. Yeah, but I, I think that one aside, which was a bit more of a scrum, to me, it was a good sign, a good indicator of how organized and like like up for this game the Dutch were yep. that they weren't giving up cheap set piece goals, they weren't going to give up any sort of cheap opportunity. So uh-huh. then it ends up with them giving up a penalty. Yep has to be that much more painful for Dutch fans and the Dutch players and the Dutch coaches. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get tweets, did you say the US did this to Japan? In in the World Cup final of 2015. Oh, okay, not in this tournament. Okay. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. you were getting there. No, I'm saying like, go back to the uh, 2015 final. Yeah. A huge part of their attacking game plan was set pieces. They scored two of their first... They did. ...of their four goals or whatever. Now first very, four, rather. Now I'm very impressed with your memory. Of course. <laughs> of course, my friend. <laughs> All right. Shall we wrap this up? Because I think we've talked about everything. And I also think the Copa America final is about to kick off. I think we should... It's you have weird, more to talk about? Just to say that it's weird that, like... like I feel strange that we're not being like, and we did it. We've won. Like, yeah, it, yeah. like it feels like we should be a bit more rah rah about like it's been a month of covering this team in this tournament. But yeah. I think it just maybe part of that, if I'm being honest, is that I kind of fully expected this result, and so it, as I frustrated- did it before the tournament. But once we got rolling, I got I had this feeling of like, oh, oh no, yeah, this team. I, I mean, literally awesome today against oh, the okay, Netherlands, okay. it felt like. Like Spain were more challenging than we thought. Then it's France. Then it's England. Who like like I thought there was a genuine chance they were going to be able to find a way through the United States. Yeah. So going up against the, the Dutch, I don't mean this to be disrespectful. It just sort of felt like they're going to win. Like, I they're talked not about quite this. as good as France or England. Yeah. yeah. And so I think maybe that's why I'm a little bit less like, we did it! And more of a like, yeah, okay, we did it. Yeah, good job. That well makes done. sense to mm-hmm. me. I think for me, the moment we beat France was the moment, I think I said on the show, questions were answered mm-hmm. about Gilles' tactics, about Crystal Dunn, about all that kind of stuff. And that's the moment when I kind of thought, all right, this, this can definitely be done. Mm-hmm. Right? We can definitely get this done. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. So I, and I think I also because there was all the talk about like arrogance I don't want to end this on an arrogant note so all I want to say is we got our trophy back <laughs> we never lost it <laughs> it was just yeah. in our possession for a long a long long time right four more years four more years four more years and then up next yep. the Olympics yeah uh, uh, I think year. Doug McIntyre did ask Jill Ellis about like her like prospects after this competition I think her contract ends at the end of this month oh really uh, she has said she has not thought about it but I'm guessing US soccer will probably be offering her something yeah. hopefully a lot I mean, she should get the job for the Olympics at least, right? Agree. And mm-hmm. then she should take the England job. <laughs> That's just my feeling. I had a feeling it would yeah. be. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right, Taylor Rockwell, I will say thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, Daryl. Listeners, thank you for listening to this World Cup final review show. Well done, the US Women's National Team. Woo-hoo! Up next, we're going to watch the Copa America. We're going to have a review of the Copa America final. Later tonight, we're going to watch the Gold Cup. USA Mexico will have a review tonight, late tonight, mm-hmm. Of the Gold Cup. About to hit stop recording. Hit stop recording.